As I was standing in the back for the service this morning, I, I, I said, you know, I've been away for two weeks, so I'm loaded. <laughs> and I'm ready. It's really hard to, um, to have gone through this season myself uh, and, and not um, feel like I'm immersed in a spirit of death. Uh, it's been a hard couple of years, having lost my own father and lost my spiritual father in Yonel and lost significant people from the parish and uh, to be with my father-in-law. Uh, it, it feels like death is winning. And it's not. Amen. It's not. Amen. You see, last week uh, when my brother got up here and shared uh, a very powerful testimony, um, a, a very humble and God-focused, not Mark-focused story of God's transformation, he's telling your story. He's telling my story. He's telling a story <coughs> that removes the stain of the enemy, the work of confusion and fear and doubt and unbelief. You see, what happens is when we allow the enemy in, and it could be an image that draws us to uh, false intimacy, it could be just about any other sin on the planet, we start to believe that that's where we get our satisfaction, that's where we get our grace, that's where we get our love, that's where we get our affirmation. And that can't be any further from the truth because the devil is just right there. He's a divider. He's a deceiver. And we live in this flesh that is so susceptible to those things. So if you sat here last week, as I'm sure some did, and went, oh boy, why do we need to hear all of that on Easter Sunday, no doubt? Then I would suggest, as your father that you examine your heart. Because your response was a pushback to something that you're defending. Because I believe each one of us could bring our stuff to the Lord and repent and yield ourselves in a way that would make us free. Amen. We heard a testimony of the power of God that transformed a relationship with the Lord first, but then with Mark's wife and his children, with all that he touches in his life. He operates in a new level of freedom. There's such confusion out there. I, I had this arrive on my desk. I'm not sure where it came from. I'm guessing that it might be Jim. It's a funny, the, of, a, of a priest receiving a confession. And the, the woman speaking through the screen says, after she says, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Yes, my daughter. She asks a question. She says, so Christ's body is the bread, right? Yes, the father says. And he rose from the grave. Yes, my daughter. Because of the yeast, she says? Please leave, says the father. <laughs> it's a silly illustration, but you know, when we meet people um, 
on the street who aren't raised in the church, aren't raised with the biblical story, they just get those things by uh, illustration, secondhand, stories that just have really light touches. And I'm always surprised at how Noah parted the Red Sea or how, you know, you know, um, Jesus had an affair with some woman because he saw her on the rooftop in the Old Testament. And you're like, you need to go back and read the book. There's so much confusion and doubt. And today we hear the testimony of, uh, of Luke talking about Peter. And Peter can't help but just burst at the seams with what he's seen. And this is the heart of what we do in this Easter season. We may feel like death is winning. We may feel overcome. The weight, the pressure that makes us so confused, makes us have fear or doubt or unbelief. It it makes us be in a place where, where we're just confused by the life that surrounds us and we just don't know what to do. We hear words like this. Men of Israel, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. You know why I'll take revival whenever it comes near us? It's because people can't help but be changed when they see God working, when they have signs and wonders. And the enemy just wants to discourage us. How many have you said or thought in your own head, well, I really don't have a testimony. I don't really have, I mean, my stories, they aren't as powerful as Dan's. Or they, My son said this to me once. He said, Dad, I just don't have your stories. I don't see God the way you see God. I almost feel like he doesn't hear me. And I'm like, Noah, you have so many stories. You're expecting for them to be you know, crazy, big, explosive. But when God shows up and something changes, that's him working in you. Pray for it. And so my prayer constantly for my own kids, and that means you because you're my kids. Sick them, Lord. Sick them. And my desire is for you to pray, show me, Lord. And you know what Jesus always says to his disciples? Come and see. Come and see. I'll show you a demonstration of the power of God. Well, the people of Israel gathered around. They should know better because they know the story, right? And they ask, can you show us a sign? Give me a sign. I want to see a sign. I want to see a sign. He's been showing signs since the beginning of his ministry. And he says, I will not do any signs until the sign of Jonah. They didn't know what that meant at that moment, the sign of Jonah. Wait a second, we're all going to be swallowed up by a fish now and puked out on the, on, the, you know, on the shoreline? That's weird. No, what he was trying to say is the only sign that you will need is the resurrection. The only sign that you will need is the truth that I was swallowed up and I rose again so that you don't have to. So Peter is speaking of the mighty works and signs that God did through Jesus in in their midst as they know this Jesus who was delivered up 
uh, according to the definite plan. God already knew this. He was crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. He's speaking to them. Because it was groupthink. It was the way our culture works. We say, oh, today is so different from what it used to be. Well, I had a bishop who once said to me, oh, Dan, you know, you can't accept these things about the changes of sexuality or the the things that we are now learning to embrace because the world is so different than it used to be. Try growing up in a Greek culture, in a Roman culture. There was so much sexual debauchery and confused life living at that point in time as much as there is today. It's just, it was, you know, not embraced the way that it is today. And as we embrace it, we're basically saying to those demons, come on in. Come inhabit this. Come make it more confusing. Come and help me not have such a hardness of heart that I won't be able to see when the Lord works in his signs and wonders. I won't be able to receive it. That's where we go, yeah, right, okay. And we just heard another testimony of God's work in somebody's life. It sounds so harsh, and I know that that's not the tenor of how things were received last week. I know that God was moving in powerful ways. He wants to continue to move. And my joy, my desire today is that God would continue to stir your hearts because he wants to soften them. He wants your heart to be malleable, for him to enter in, for, you, for us to live a repentant life. For us to be able not to defend anything, but to repent from anything that would cause us to stand in defense, cause us to try to make ourselves right, but to bring on a life that is surrendered in such a way that we can just say, if there's anything between us, Lord, I want it gone. If there's anything between us, bud, I want it gone. If there's anything between us, Carol, I want it gone. I want to be so free that there's nothing. Oh, of course we're going to say and do things that are offensive, right? Because that's our nature. We say things and we take things. But one of the things I preached very early on is that we would be unoffendable. Remember that? Offense is the bait of Satan. There's a book out there that's entitled that. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. Uh, but we, if we are truly walking in what the Lord has for us, we're unoffendable. And once we have received the reconciling work of the cross and the resurrection, our lives are unshakable. We don't have anything to fear. And once we walk in that way, the things that we can do for the kingdom are unstoppable. Hang on to those words. If we are unoffendable, we are unshakable, and then we are unstoppable. So the, the question that's begged, I think the first of three questions that come out of this, these texts this morning, in response to what God did last week, is what have you seen? What have you seen? What do you bear witness to? First question. Second question. What will you receive? What's your inheritance? In a life of Christ, what do you get out of it? And the third, will you choose to live? Will you choose Jesus is really the question. So as we're hearing Peter preach, he's saying, you know, very clearly, God raised up. He he, he 
raised up Jesus, he loosed the pangs of death because it was impossible for him to be held. He couldn't be held down by death. There was a greater word that is being spoken and that he would one day come to stand at the right hand of God that I might not be shaken. Because of the work and act of Jesus, he has made a place for me to stand. That, that doesn't feel what it feels in this world, does it? We face anxiety and depression on a regular basis in this world. We face fear and doubt and unbelief on a regular basis. It doesn't feel unshakable, but in him, if we get close to him, if we operate in his presence, if he is the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in, Imagine yourself being Aquaman or something, you know, just like he is the atmosphere that we function in. If that's how we function, then our flesh, which is broken, would dwell in hope. Peter's trying to get through to the people who were hard hearted and didn't know what they were allowing themselves to say. Crucify him. Imagine how you how, how you feel Easter Sunday. The the glory of God and the humbling press of those words that you spoke just days before. That's the way our sin sits on us. When we operate outside in an unreconciled life, our sin is crushing us. And when God is revealed, we either push it at arm's length because we don't know how to handle this love and this grace that is beyond measure, or we yield to it and it humbles us because we know what we said and we know what we did and he loved us anyway. He quotes David, he says uh, from, from Psalm 16, he said, I saw the Lord always before me He is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My flesh will also dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One see corruption. You will make known to me paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. That was a witness of the Old Testament to the resurrection that had years not come yet. Let me tell you, there, there are times where I just keep waiting for God to show up. Do you have that feeling sometimes? I have told you countless times, I believe I'm a frog's hair away from being fully healed. But let me tell you this, this leg has not yet yielded the proclamation, I am healed. It will, though. I'm praying up graduation day is this Wednesday. I see the doctor before I head, head out to Connecticut to see my daughter's uh, gallery on Thursday. And uh, I'm just praying that I'm, I'm told you're free, you're released. You're going to get to swim in the Virgin Islands in, in May with your brothers while you go sailing. It's going to be, you're going to have that freedom. But God allows us to wait. He allows us to wait. He allows the weight of that sin and the pressure of that glory that he sends to, become, to come to a place where there's pressure. And that pressure forces us to respond. Forces us to respond. And as we respond, 
we start to realize that we have a witness ourselves. Jesus, whom God raised up, to whom we are all witnesses of, Peter says, that we can stand with confidence with those who are buried and dead like David and know that there's resurrection power. You see, our flesh is the problem. And death is the answer. That's a very weird thing for me to say, given that uh, Easter Sunday I spent, I knew I, I would have a hard time if I were here because you'd have the crying officiant. Because uh, I cried my way along with Kristen through that service because the themes of resurrection were so undoing. The earthly sorrow that I felt was turned into godly sorrow because all of this brokenness was now yielded to Christ and his resurrection had given me hope. I could do nothing but sing hallelujah and praise the Lord for all that he was doing. And those themes just roll over you on, on Easter Sunday. They just come and come and come and come and hallelujah. They say it again and again and again. Death is the answer. God's trying to kill you. He wants you dead. Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a proclamation of the transference of death for life. And we all know that the truth is Jesus is our hope. In the first book of Peter that we heard from this morning, Peter says, Blessed be the God of uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy, He caused us to be born again. Death for life. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, what do we get? The question, second question, what will we receive? What have we seen? We bear witness to Christ. What do we get? What do we receive? Our inheritance. He says, we were born again so that we might inherit a life that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for us. We get to live it already. We get a taste of heaven. We want to see the world transformed. We're not going to transform the world by having the right party in charge or the right principles shoved down anybody's throat. We are going to see the world change when we witness to the power of Christ. All those other things are good and we should be a part of them, but it should be driven by our testimony of the power of God to change a life that was going down a hole that we don't want to tell you where it ends up in the backyard under a tank, right? That's where we're going in the flesh, dead. But because we have life through Christ, we have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. God's power, God's power are in those things are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The truth be known, we haven't seen it all yet. Our sister Eileen sees it all today. My father-in-law, Mike, he sees it all today. 
Those who've gone before us have seen it all today. They're, they bask in the fullness of God's presence. We get to taste it should we choose from day to day to be in his presence, to invite him in. There's a principle there. And the principle is, let's invite him in. Because he's saying to us, come and see. Peter goes on to say, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have, in this you rejoice, uh, you have been grieved by various trials. I'm waiting, Lord. I'm waiting for your healing. I'm waiting for your revelation. I'm waiting for your power. I'm waiting for revival. It's coming this Thursday, right, Gary? I'm waiting. But that's so that you might have your faith tested. Tested by fire that it may result in the praise and glory and honor to be revealed in Jesus Christ. That's that fulcrum, that pressure point. Once you have gone through the testing, once you've gone through the refiner's fire, all the slag is taken off so that what, what gets revealed is pure gold, not false grace, not cheap love, not false intimacy, but truth revealed in him. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not know him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith. You think Peter took a, one, took a note out of Paul's uh, writing class, right? Just run-on sentences because he can't, he's breathless with this, this outward proclamation. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of our souls. You are saved. Do you feel that? Do you feel it today? Did you wake up knowing that you're saved? Do you, did you wake up? Or are there still some things that are lingering? Do you, do you need to do some business today? Wait for it. We're going to get there. My last question, what will you receive? Well, we know that we're, we're going to receive a, an inheritance that's, in, that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. But we need to choose a life, to choose to be a witness to what he's, he's doing. And we get this picture. Um, I, I don't even know if you can imagine it. Um, I, we like watching uh, American Idol. I don't know if you guys uh, watch American Idol, but I can't imagine what it's like to be with all that great talent, a room full of incredible singers and musicians and artists and performers, and they all have varying degrees of different things, and you just think, I'm never going to make it. And they sit in those rooms waiting for hours and hours and hours for the judges' results. And I can't imagine that, that the disciples knew what was coming because they were told to wait for him, but they weren't really sure that he had risen. They, they had gotten this witness from the women who had been there, and they testified to the fact that the tomb was empty. But what are we waiting for? And Jesus enters in, and he says to them, Peace. Jesus wants to enter into you today and say, peace. Those bills that you owe, that debt that you carry, those things that you're guilty of, that anxiety that you feel because you're not perfect, that weight of the world crushing in 
judging you for your parenting skills or for your ability to move in social circles or whatever it might be. Peace. That puts perspective on anything that we can bring to him because he wants to speak that peace to you very specifically. He wants relationship with you. It's not a game. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story that's just presented to make us feel better momentarily so we can go on living our sinful, fleshly life. It is so that we might experience his fullness. And Tom, who wasn't, Thomas, who wasn't there, he, he's just like, unless I see his hands and put my hands in his side, I, I won't believe. Now, Thomas doesn't say that for Jesus to hear. He says it for the disciples to hear, but Jesus heard, <laughs> right? We think we can, we can sort of say things or proclaim things, and the Lord doesn't see. The Lord sees what you see on the Internet. He, the Lord sees what you do with your money. The Lord sees what you think about other people. The Lord knows when you cheat in certain areas of your life. And what does he say? Damn you! No. It says peace. Peace be with you. You need redeeming love to transform those habits. You need transformation to come and cleanse you. 1 John 1, 9 says what we need to hear when it comes to our lack of being able to confess our sins because truth be known we sort of skim the surface folks we tell what's evident on the top but god really just wants to get down to the roots and he wants to pull it out so it doesn't grow back but first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness So then Thomas, he was there. Jesus entered the room again. And he says, peace be with you. It's almost like he's speaking directly to Thomas this time, but he was saying to the rest of the room, because now their peace has been robbed since the last time he said, peace be with you, right? That's the way they operate. That's the way we operate. And before he could even say it, before Thomas could even think it, Jesus says, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus wants to reveal himself in so, uh, so much of a fleshly way, in so much of a, a real tangible way. While we were in Florida and we were waiting for the Lord to take Mike home, we had beautiful times of worship. We, everybody got to speak their mind. Um, Michael's brother came, um, who, who lives up in Maryland, and, and, and he was there and uh, just didn't know what to say. And I said to Danny, I said, it, it's, it's really hard. But just say your heart, and God will reveal the truth in the words that you choose. Because God's here. His presence is made known. And I'd been praying, Lord, show us. Show us what you want to do. Show Mike was an avid fisherman. He loved birds. And as we were sitting out on the, the patio area of this um, particular um, um, hospice that we were in, 
a hawk, red-tailed hawk, flew down and just sat in the tree right outside the screen porch. And that happened early that morning, and I thought to myself, I could feel the hair on the back of my neck standing up, and I was like, this isn't coincidence. Thank you, Joe. Then about, I would say 20 minutes before Michael passed, this giant bird, I can't remember the name of it, it's sort of like a, 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 a wood build stork or some some kind of in, in, you know a, a special bird that's from that area because there were signs up everywhere to say that this was this kind of bird sanctuary as big as a blue heron came walking up and we were amazed because it was like from here me to beverly and we spoke to it and and we said what are you doing what are you thinking and the thing crept forward it got closer and it got closer. And I realized the Lord was revealing his presence with us. And the power and majesty of his creation to meet us right in our pain and say, peace be with you. God wants for us to experience his peace in such a way that it's it's not so much about the details or what we can argue or our scientific understanding of, of the gospel and how the world was made and whether we understand the doctrine of grace. I mean, we can go on and on and on. I, I love seeing Alistair Begg preach about the, the uh, thieves on the cross. He goes, I want to meet that guy. I want to get to heaven and I want to see that guy and I want to ask him a few questions because I want to say to him, on what basis did you merit getting into heaven? Did you know the doctrine of grace? Do you understand the theology, the ontology of revelation? The guy goes, no. The guy in the middle cross said, come. Come and see. Today, my friends, no matter what anxiety, what fear, what doubt, what pressure you feel, what sin stands in the way from you having freedom, the Lord is saying, come and see. Will you let me enter in so that I can speak this word to your heart and let it transform you? You don't have to be anything but his child for the rest of your life. Yes, you have gifts, talents, jobs, things that you should do. But in his presence, all of those things are going to shine because he'll bring the best out of you and those gifts if you are free. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray with you, and I'm just going to ask, that as you put out your hands, it's as if you're offering up what it is that you want to give away and that your hands are there to receive what it is that he wants to give to you. Father, we, we thank you that your witness to us is power and signs and wonders. You, you showed us healing. You showed us transformation. You showed that you have knowledge of who we are through your scripture. And we receive, Lord, the knowledge that your resurrection power has given us life. Father, we believe we believe that Jesus came and died that we might be free. 
In that belief, Lord, we know that our flesh deceives us and the enemy wants to confuse us. So we surrender to you, Lord, those things that we try to hide, those things that we're trying to bury, those things that we think we, are, um, we have deficits in. And we surrender to you those things so that through you, our weakness might be your strength. Help us, Lord. Help us to operate in such a way that we are those who, make, who bear witness to your love, that we are unoffendable, we are unshakable, we are unstoppable in you. We thank you, Lord, that you have shown us a witness of your power we thankful, Lord, that you have given us an inheritance that cannot be taken away. And we ask now, Lord, that having received the remedy for life in Jesus, that we might offer Jesus to the world, giving them the gift that will meet them right where they need it. And together we receive these words, peace be with you. Amen.